For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's good, everyone? This is another episode of the OKC Topic Thunder Podcast. We had basketball tonight. We had Thunder basketball tonight. We had Thunder basketball in Oklahoma City, actually, in the city of Oklahoma City tonight. Uh, packed house. As many fans as they as they were allowed to fit in. Uh, they, uh, yeah, that, standing that was room zero. only. Standing room only. Uh, yeah, at least 60 feet from the next person, probably, with as, as few people uh, were actually in the building. Um, it was a game. It was cool. We got to see some players, and uh, we're going to talk about that. So joining me, uh, I have Alex Roig yawning at this moment. What's good with you, man? <laughs> it's good. I'm good, man. I'm good, man. It's, it's, you know, it's a little bit late. And I actually, you know, I actually have the day off today for my second job, so... You know, I, I am a little bit tired, and once we're done with this podcast, I'll go ahead and uh, catch some Z's, but I'm good, man. <laughs> and joining us from the Witness Protection Program, enjoying all the Christmas cakes he possibly can get his hands on, uh, I have uh, Champagne Jerry. Jerry Stevens, how are you doing tonight, man? Man, I'm doing good, Maddie. I'm doing good. Um, as you've already buried the lead, as Dylan likes to say, um i've devoured two christmas cakes and i'm gonna have to stop myself from eating any more tonight or my wife's gonna be really pissed in the morning so uh, no it's not worth it it's not worth it for any young bugs out there don't listen to alex he likes to make his wife's life miserable which in turn somehow doesn't make his miserable um but uh no i'm totally kidding but the christmas cakes are amazing and um I've had a long week, so I'm just trying to keep it low key in the dark over here. So leave me alone. I'm feeling a little emo after this game, especially. <laughs> Literally, the only thing I could see uh, pre-recording uh, from his from his camera was just the white of the cake. Like that's it. Like with a little bit of like light reflecting off reflecting off of it um, before he, he put some, it in uh... his. Uh, with some Lincoln Park and some evidence and playing in the background. <laughs> I'm more of a Hawthorne Heights kind of guy. Right. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. So, Say um, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Um, um, yeah, but I'm so, doing great other than that. So the thing with the wife is uh, at the beginning of the night, you look like Patrick Swayze. Uh, at the end of the night, you'll look like Chris Farley, but you can still dance all the same and do the, the Chippendale <laughs> dance for her in the morning and everything will just be fine. Um, 
so good strategy. We, it's going to work out. <laughs> so b- before we get into this enthralling uh, 124 to 103 loss to the Chicago Bulls, there were uh, there was one significant piece of NBA news that hit uh, two days ago, and another one that is developing. So the first one, Giannis Antetokounmpo is staying in Milwaukee. Alex, how do you feel about this? So I mean, I feel so I feel good about. Uh, it's it's awesome that he stayed with with the team, and you know, the the 2021 free agency class is really really quickly dissolving in 2020. Uh, but you know, I, I see everybody's you know everybody's happy for small market teams and blase blase blah. But you know, devil's advocate here, like. It almost it's it's almost beneficial for a small market team to have their superstar sign not just to stay, um, but to have an asset. And so you know Milwaukee has a hell of an asset there, to where if you know things don't work out in three years, they could definitely trade him somewhere and get back all those picks that they gave up for Drew Holiday. You know, and I, you know, and I, and I look at Milwaukee and. I don't see a ton of room for improvement outside of maybe using Middleton or Drew Holiday as assets. Um, so, you know, the team that they got now for the most part is probably going to be the team that they're rocking for about the next two years. Um, and so if this team can't make it over the hump, then Milwaukee will definitely look to Giannis and his contract as an asset moving forward to go ahead and, you know, keep relevance as far as draft picks and things like that, that they can get for Giannis because you know, that's how it works. That's how it works with small market teams. That's the reality of it. That's the reality of the small market team with superstars. Um, and so you have to take that into account, but I'm glad that he signed there. I'm glad that this wasn't a situation where, you know, he dragged this out until December 21st. Um, and then, you know, the rest of this year, and then broke their hearts on July 4th of next year. Type thing, you know? <laughs> uh, so uh, the details of this, it's five-year, $228 million extension with a player opt-out after year four. So yeah. um, Your standard, it gives, and it has a 15% trade kicker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, pretty, pretty standard I, what we would expect to see. What, what do you got, Jerry? What do you think of this thing? I was going to say, like – I thought about it the other day, and I think my tweet summed it up whenever I said, you know, it's really nice for a guy to commit to the people that invested in him, especially really early in his career. And whenever all the man could do is defend pretty well with his length and dunk all over you. Um, Because, be honest, I didn't think – well, but but I didn't think a lot of Giannis – until he literally jumped over a dude. And I don't I just I, I don't know. I, I love the move. I think Milwaukee, just like you said, they're in a really good position with that. And if you're gonna dump it all, you definitely can, especially with the amount of TPEs that they could probably create out of some of that. Um I, I think Milwaukee is what we wish we were in 2016 and that's just 
the way that I sort of thought about it was, you know, if we could have got Katie on a contract like that, you know, what if he wasn't happy after two years, you know, or that year, what could have we have gotten back inside of that? And I think that that would have been invaluable and we'd probably be competing right now. Like we would have stunk for a little bit. That's okay. Cause we would have dumped the whole thing is, is sort of the way my mind's going with it. Um, but I, I think Milwaukee did great with this. I think it's a good move by Giannis and, um, Personally, it's who I wish they were four years ago. Oh, yeah, and that that's a that's a tough spot um, for us to have some type of uh, hindsight view of that. I mean, that's all we've got. But like Presty was going to put an incredible team on the floor if KD came back. It just sucks that you know we didn't get to see that team right. Um, what that team would have been that would the Serge Ibaka trade happened before the July 4th announcement. So we theoretically could have had Russ, Oladipo, KD, Sabonis, and Horford. Like that would have been a, a pretty nice starting lineup um, with, with some length and with some shooting everywhere. And uh, it just didn't come to fruition. Um, it would have been cool to see what kind of a return we could have gotten for KD, uh, if we were given the ability to trade him, uh, now we'll shift gears to talk about a guy we did trade who's looking to be dealt <laughs> somewhere else, uh, James Harden. In the words of uh, uh, Kendrick Perkins, uh, OKC Thunder legend Kendrick Perkins, um, he looked at James Harden in the exhibition game that they had last night, and Kendrick uh, lovingly said, man, I thought I was out there. I thought I came out of retirement. It looked like me out there. Um, basically talking about James Harden's weight and the shape that he's in and everything else. When he was, when he was asked why he wasn't with the team on time and instead he was in places like Atlanta and Las Vegas, James Harden specifically said, I was getting ready for the season with my quote unquote personal trainers. I, I guess uh, they have special rooms in nighttime establishments where he gets all of his personal training. Yeah. Uh, so, so Jerry, Champagne Jerry, you have it in the name. That's the, you know, a lot. It's called the Champagne Room for those of you all yeah. that don't know exactly what I'm talking about. What do you think of this uh, James Harden saga that's unfolding? So I, yeah, so I really don't find it to be a saga because that was one of the big reasons why we traded him. Um, and while we were okay with trading him out of the pieces that we had, and he was the one to go, um, yeah, we knew he was going to be good. But the stuff that he does is straight boneheaded. And he did it here, too. Um, and I just have a theory, you know, you know, him gaining all that weight, because this is what, like the third or fourth year in a row that he's done that, um, is just him sort of lit his body get stronger and better throughout the season. And he just, you know, bulks up to, to prevent injuries also, you know, and that's his strategy here. Russell used to do it. Russell used to come back looking like a monster. And then, you know, by the end of the season, he definitely cut down a bunch of weight. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what Harden's doing here. I mean, his excuse saying personal training's not it though. And, um, that ain't it. He's got, yeah, he's, he's got a history of this behavior. So I'm not, I'm not too surprised. 
He went a little heavy on the lemon pepper uh, wings, didn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, they got to be that good. They got to be that good. Alex, what you think? What you think about it? Uh, I just, it's funny, man. It's funny because like, what you what you're seeing is, you're seeing rebellion on one side of the equation, and then you're seeing. I don't want to say tattletailing on the other end or, you know, I, you know, as far as the Rockets go, what they're doing now is they're releasing information to kind of justify the future trade of James Harden. And so, you know, what they're doing is, they're, you know, there's information leaking out about how James Harden, you know, on longer road trips would say, hey, you know, he, he'd come to practice late or he'd be always – always late to always late to planes the plane would be late the practice would be late you know there's a situation with Russell Westbrook in in the bubble where um, they wanted to I guess they were doing a video they were looking at video and Harden was late and, and Westbrook was like let's get this started and basically the coaches were like no we're not going to get it started yet because James is not here and we're going to have to restart it if he does come anyway. So, and so Westbrook got pissed off at that. So I think there's, there's a huge accountability issue when it comes to Harden and the Rockets. Um, and I think, you know, this is just setting up to be an ugly divorce, you know, even though you can see the crash happening, you know, in slow motion, it's still going to be an ugly divorce. And so, <clears throat> you know, that's, that's my thoughts on it. It's just, you know, it's, it's the slow dissolving of a relationship between a superstar and their team. As fun as it is to look at the Houston Rockets uh, fan base as a whole and, and the, the organization and just kind of laugh because of the animosity that we had and the fact that Sam Presti is like Shang Tsung in, uh, in Mortal Kombat, right? He's like, your soul is mine. And he, he basically is like, your future is mine um, with all the draft picks and the swaps that we have coming up. Now, granted, I guess like Maury was smart enough to make it top four protected because he saw that this could have been coming, but he did j- abandon ship just in time before it actually hit. It sucks. Um, having a star like this, push his way out of town, especially when you've done literally everything possible to make this star happy. There's literally nothing else the Houston Rockets organization could have done to appease James Harden and his behavior. He is looking like he is as old as the number on his Jersey. And that is a shame because the guy like has top five talent, and you have to try to keep top five talent happy in a player-driven league. I get it. But it's kind of been his undoing. And now that, I mean, people, for all they wanted to say about Russ being a bad teammate and this and that and the other, which is completely not true. Everybody's love playing with Russ. It does seem like there is absolutely nobody who takes being competitive seriously that no, there none of those players would think that James Harden is a good teammate, and maybe that maybe that says something about how high our ceiling truly could have been in Oklahoma City with two guys that are absolute dogs that also won an MVP, and 
who are fierce, fierce competitors. So that, that does the stuff coming out of Houston right now. It definitely seems like a trade is imminent. I don't think that Houston could get the same type of return that uh, Paul George uh, returned to Oklahoma city. Like, I don't think they're getting a Shea and a Danilo and a million picks. Like that's not that, that equivalent's not going to happen. They, they might even have to be happy with a drew holiday type of return. If we're just being honest, a decent point guard, you know, type of player, like a, like a Bledsoe type of guy, uh, three first round picks unprotected and two pick swaps or something. But outside of that, like, I don't really see, like, that would be the absolute maximum. They're certainly not going to get a Ben Simmons, right? Do we think that they're not going to be able to get a Ben Simmons from Philly? I mean, I don't know. Like, like, I mean, you look at, you look at, so you look at Philly now and the couple of, the couple of preseason games that they've had, they've had really good floor spacing on the floor. Like I wonder if you if you take prime Joel Embiid and you give him the amount of space that somebody like James Harden would afford, would that unlock another level of not just Embiid, but maybe even unlock another level of Harden? Um, I don't know. Like I've always I've always had a more not negative view of Ben Simmons, but I've always had a view of in this game. I I don't know if I don't know if his if he can lead you to a championship because of his shortcomings, because of his inability to space the floor, because of his uh, inability to even shoot a three pointer, like his his not wanting to shoot a three pointer at all, mm-hmm. um, and so. You know, if you offer Ben Simmons, then maybe you don't have to offer that many picks. Maybe you offer just two picks. Um, and but yeah, I mean, I'm under I, the. I'm say I'm under the assumption that's the reason why they're saying he's off limits on purpose is because they're trying to raise that price up. You know, so. And I think so. And I think and I think that and I think, you know, the the starting point in the negotiations of Ben Simmons plus three first rounders, you know, that becomes the negotiating ploy and then, you know, going to going to James Harden and saying, Hey, are there any other teams that you would be okay with going to? And so bringing Milwaukee, bringing Miami, bringing, um, you know, Brooklyn into the mix and saying, you know, these teams in the East are teams that I'm okay with, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. I, this is me personally about this is if I'm the Rockets right now, I'm going to make him go wherever the hell I want. Whatever the best deal is, I don't care what he's talking about, especially after a bunch of nothing that he's brought Houston as far as, like, finals appearances. Yeah, he got an MVP season. He did. Great. But, like, other than that, what has he done? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And – he comes up with a bad attitude this summer. Like, screw that. I'm sending you if, – if the Kings offer me De'Aaron Fox and a couple other things, I'm taking it. Go have fun in Sacramento, buddy. Like, I don't care where you go. And that's just me. I, I think that's what Houston should do, um, especially in this situation. 
So, I mean, the, the one thing I have to say is the guy's making a ton of money and in two years he's going to be making a ton of money plus some, right? Like yeah. he's, he's going to be eligible for a super duper max at that point. And he's, he's, you know, most certainly going to take every last penny he, he can get. I mean, uh, adult establishments aren't oh, yeah. cheap, be- right. So, um, at least the ones he frequents. So like it's, he's, he's getting the bag. He's getting as much as he can, but he kind of wants everything too. So not only is somebody going to have to give up assets to get him for this, this season and next season, they're also going to have to be willing to pay that guy when, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30 and he's, you know, he's had a lot of miles on him and he's not necessarily a proven quote unquote winner. So it's, it's going to be tough. Like, does a team like Sacramento say, Hey, we, we think that we could be I'm more just, successful than what the Rockets were. And so they give up stuff or, you yeah, know, like no, a mid- I, I was just using that as an example though. Really? I'm sorry. I did not mean well, the, the Kings want to call them. I do not. Well, mean right. That. Well, right. But I mean, like, it's pretty much like the only teams that are going to give up anything to get James Harden are the ones that, think that James Harden's going to be happy there and be part of their long-term plans. Like you're not giving up a Ben Simmons just for two years of James Harden, right? Like you're not. You're if not you're the Sixers, that. you might. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like what is he? Is he like 23 years old? And yeah, like 24, yeah. 24 yeah, second, was, second team, all NBA, right? Like no, I was guy, just tossing a team out. That's, you know, a, another small market that well smaller market than the rest of the California teams and like he's still in the west you know like I'm just send him to the wolves who cares where he goes um <laughs> just the biggest thing that I wanted to portray is get the best deal out of him hose oh, everybody yeah, yeah. for it because you're gonna need well, it well and this is this is the next point and uh they they mentioned this on the jump and this will be like kind of the last thing, but, and then we'll get into the game. Um, the Giannis signing his extension is just going to make the trade market for James Harden that much more uh, oh, lucrative yeah. or hot because um, AD is gone. Uh, LeBron James is gone. Paul George is gone. Um, now Giannis is gone all from next year's free agency class. So the teams that were holding out space and holding out hope to be able to bring in a, a a guy who can move the yeah. needle and James Harden would certainly move the needle. Um, those guys are gone. And so it's like, okay, well I have a chance to potentially trade and get a guy that can move the needle and make us better this year. Mm-hmm. And we're not really going to need all that space. Right. So, um, so yeah, if there are four teams that could vie for his services, then, you know, maybe they're able to get another first round draft pick. Maybe they don't have to take back as, as much bad money. Um, on the deal as, as they they would otherwise have to with matching yeah. salaries and stuff. And um, that's good for them because John Wall's on their books for like the next three years at 40 plus million dollars a year. So um, that's that's pretty significant. Um, anything else on, on James Harden, Giannis news? I hate his face. Fair. That's it. <laughs> I, I, I will I will make this point and then I can transition nicely. So um I, I think that Giannis 
re-signing and potentially this James Harden stuff with a, a smaller class could actually make a guy like Al Horford much more enticing at the trade deadline. Yes, he is making $27 million a year for each of like the next three seasons, if you count this one, because um, this one technically hasn't started yet, I guess. Uh, he is a guy that at eight, 18 and 10, not a ball stopper on offense, can space it, really good on defense, does all the things you want out of a big man. He's, you could still argue maybe he's a top 10 center in the, in the league, right? Uh, even in today's modern day NBA. So maybe a team's willing to, to get him. So transitioning to my first point of the night in our, in our game, we got to see Al Horford and the guy looked really freaking good. What were yeah. your thoughts on what you saw out of Al Horford tonight? Um, so the developing two man game of SGA could be a thing of beauty, you know, Woo. between him, George Hill, um, you know, that could be something that <clears throat> that could be something that wins us games, you know, and, you know, that's heading into huh. the season. Yeah. That's not necessarily a thing that we want too much of. Um, how about yeah, now? Exactly. How about now? No, no, You know, so he's still a good player. He's still, you know, he's still a damn good player if you put him in the right position to succeed. And I think, you know, the Thunder with them having – you know, a couple guards that can that can handle the ball between him, between SGA, Hill, and now Maladon. You know, you have partners for that, you know, that pick and pop or that pick and roll um, with Horford. And Horford's great at exploiting that. Um, and so, like I said, this could be a situation where, you know, that two-man game helps to either win us game or, or you know, keep us real close in games. And so – it's a good thing, you know. It's a, it's a thing that could, you know, possibly, if if Al Horford is doing good, and he's leading us to a couple victories, his market increases. Um, and so, that's you know that's the best thing that we can that can, that we could want for Al Horford's market to increase, and hopefully maybe we can even trade him this season, you know, near the near the trade deadline. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. He, I I was impressed by him. I was impressed by him. This was not Philly Horford. This was, you know, Boston Horford, Atlanta Horford. Um, and it was great to see it. What you got, Jerry? So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what it was. I mean, he put up a quick 15 points. I think he had that at half mm-hmm. and um, led the team pretty easily shot really efficiently. Um, what I enjoyed about it was he was really engaged with the young guys, like the whole game as far as like, you know, in between dead balls, whether it was talking to somebody or, um, you know, coming up off the bench. I mean, he greeted all the guys coming in after getting their ass handed to him. Uh, all the young guys that were on the floor, he waited until all of them came up off the floor and, and gave everybody a high five. Those, those are the things that I'm here for. Um he can score some, you know, just to keep it interesting, but he can't score too much. I, I, I just don't want him to score too much. <laughs> Give it to the other guys. One, one thing I really liked about his game was he was hustling all over the floor. It wasn't just him being engaged with the young guys, which is great, right? Um, I certainly appreciate that, but it didn't seem like he was a guy who was 
just trying to mail it in and bide his time and, and kind of, you know, I'm just, I'm just here until you guys can move me. Like he was actually out there, out there competing and he was, he was playing hard. And I think that's really good, you know, for some of the younger guys to see, especially some of those guys that, that are hungry, being able to see a guy like him come in and just watch him do his work and emulate that. Like, I think he's going to be fine. He's, he's not going to be any type of a character issue or chemistry issue or whatever in the locker room, even in losses. And he's going to do the work, which is great for all parties, right? I mean, that's exactly what we got out of Dennis. That's exactly what we got out of Chris. That's exactly what we got out of Danilo is they came in, they balled, they worked hard. And then they, um, then they were able to actually move to places. happen again it did and i'm back do we want to trust it or yeah. do we want to you're back okay let's trust it let's go let's trust it okay um so moving from al trust horford the process <laughs> trust the All process right. so three two one so moving from Al Horford to you mentioned the two-man game with SGA and that looking nice. What were our thoughts about how SGA played tonight? We'll start with Jerry. So SGA, I saw on Twitter tonight. I forgot who said it. I think it might have been Zach Noble. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's okay. But it was somebody on Twitter, dang it, that said um, – narrows it down (laughs) SGA can't be a number one guy and that sort of like got me thinking and the way that he plays he damn sure could be and um, I can already see some growth in him he he pulled out a couple of things out of his bag tonight that were very Chris Paul-esque and um, that little butt bump, you know, into you create that space, lean forward for the shot. Um, that it should have been an and one. I don't think it was. But the one where he got the rip through and still got the shot up somehow and made it. Um, that kid's going to be special. And he's he's showing little bit of glimpses of it, especially with how – I think how efficient he can be because tonight was kind of a bad shooting night, but uh, I like to hustle on defense. Um, you can definitely tell he's trying to be a leader there also. And um, I'm excited about him. I, I definitely think he can be the number one guy here. Hmm. Uh, what do you got, Alex? I mean, I, I, so as far as this game goes, um, what's kind of impressed me is just how how mature SGA looks out there. Um, you know, this is you know you have to realize this is still a third year player. I mean, this is not his seventh season in the NBA or anything like that. This is this is his third year, and this is his first year. What you know? What's going to be his first year as the featured player on a team, um, and he's come in here these first two preseason games and he's looked completely under control like you said he's been efficient Um, and I'm pretty sure the game plan is to go at SGA as far as defensively as far as 
you know, that's the guy that you need to stop on his team. And he's made the right reads. You know, he hasn't looked baffled out there as far as what a defense throws at him. He hasn't looked baffled in the, in the uh, pick and roll. He's made the right play every time. Um, and so that's very impressive. Now, as far as what Jerry's talking about, as far as being a number one, see, I, like, he's a number one on this team, yes, because we are a rebuilding team currently. Um, I, I don't know if he's a number one on a championship-level contender. A, a number two, he'd be a good number two. A number three, he'd be a great number three um, at this point in his career. Now, this season could play out. He could score, you know, he could be a 25-per-game scorer. He could, you know, dish out six assists and grab five rebounds, and he could be an all-NBA player. And so that changes the narrative a little bit. Uh, but as far as, you know, as far as what we've seen collectively over the past two seasons plus a couple games to this preseason, it's kind of hard to look at him and say, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a LeBron-type player. That's a Harden-type player. That's a Steph Curry. You know, he's not there yet. And so, got to let it play out. So, but I, I've been very impressed by him. I have been very impressed. Um, and I do think that for, for everything that's put on his shoulders, he's taken it very well. I mean, and, and the whole, like, number one on a contender, number two on a contender, like, that's something us as fans use to conceptualize what a championship team looks like. Who's the number one on that on that Pistons team that beat the that basically ended the Lakers dynasty? Yeah, but they're an anomaly, I think. I mean, I can right, name all but some, them, by the way, I can name every single but, one of them because those teams were raw, and I loved watching the Eastern Conference. So, Tayshawn Prince, well, yeah, Rip Hamilton, and Ben Wallace, she, Wall- <laughs> she was yeah. John like, Billups, Darko Milicic. right. um but they had they had a lot of they had a lot of guys right that just fit well right and it's like okay it didn't really matter who was the one or the two like they picked in i mean they had their spots and they they performed right so if we bring in a cade cunningham and cade and shea are pretty similar right and we bring in a a mobley right say we can get lucky and bring in a mobley like Mm -hmm. they're gonna different series they're gonna have to take over and be that guy based on the matchups and kind of what, what's given to them and the flow of the offense and all those things. And does it really matter who's the number one and who's the number two? It's like, let's just, let's just focus on bringing in as much talent as we can that can do as many things as possible on the basketball court, get them together and see if they gel. And then it doesn't really like matter. We know that Shea is a baller, right? We know that Shea is not going to limit. He's not, he's not going to decrease your ceiling by being a focal point on your team. He's going to need help. He's going to need other guys that can facilitate and all those other things. He, he's going to need a Dort because I don't think Shea can last 82 games trying to be our focal point on our offense and lock up the other focal point on, like the focal point on their team, right? Like yeah. we're not throwing him at LeBron or James Harden or whatever on one end and expecting him to drop 25 on the other, right? Like that, that's probably not sustainable for 82 games plus the playoffs. But all that being said, like we don't know what Shea's ceiling is because we've never seen quite a player like Shea. So we can't really like put him yeah, in a box. It's very hard to comp him. Fair. 100%. Um, any other takes on, on what we saw to Shea tonight? 
All right. Um, my last thing for him is just it looks like he's operating in another gear. He's, he's, he's still going at his pace, but he seems like he's doing his pace at like a much quicker rate. Like the game is slowing down a lot for him and he's able to, to just make things mm-hmm. happen on the court. So I'll be really excited to see his decision-making um, and his aggressiveness moving forward. Um, all right. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see, to see this team 10 games in. Yeah, you know this, these these preseason games, this short this short training camp, hardly having an off season. Like a lot of these players that are going to be coming in, you know, we're not going to see a true, we're not going to see the true true NBA until about ten games into the season. Mm-hmm. That's that's fair. Yeah, and for us, probably we won't know anything more about our team until twenty five games in, honestly, to the season true. since everybody's so young. Um, so Baisley played, Dort played, um, what, uh, alongside Horford. We didn't see those guys uh, last time around. Anything out of Baisley and Dort that y'all want to hit? Alex, you go first. I, I thought Dort had a – he had a bad game. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I also think Dort is the type of player that, like, you got to have a consistent kind of – rotation like it like it has to be established already and i think like a preseason format for him is not a good format for him um you know he just he looked like he he had just had about three or four practices in i mean that's that's basically what he looked like and maybe even you know is 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 still kind of dealing maybe with the after effects of a little bit of you know COVID 19 if he did have it um you know so again you know another player that i think five, ten games into the season, we're going to start to see the real Dort, you know, as far as game shape and as far as, you know, that type of stuff. Baisley, you know, I thought, I thought Baisley did okay. You know, I, I hate basing everything on preseason games because, number one, that was his first game of the preseason, number one. Number two, I think he's coming off of, like, a small injury, whether it's an ankle, whether it's something. Uh, but he, he, he was coming off a small injury. I mean, in the number three – consistency you know consistent minutes um and you're not going to see that until the regular season so you know i i thought i thought basically just you know he played like he belonged out there you know he, he made a couple mistakes here and there but he he showed some flashes also um so yeah jerry thoughts yeah i mean <laughs> alex pretty much hit it on the head there um you know, I ended up tweeting out that this team is very raw. Like, you can, like, see a whole bunch of potential there. Um, and both of them, too, just made a bunch of dumb mistakes or couldn't make shots. And that's going to happen with young guys sometimes. So, um, Dort still looks like he can defend at a really high, high level. Um, Baisley, as far as getting up and down, he – looks even more um I guess the word I'll use is balanced uh throughout like his footwork is a lot better uh defensively um he he just he looks like he's gonna progress a lot this season um and I to sort of piggyback on what Alex is saying too is I think he's gonna be the guy that gets the most minutes um out of the guys from last year to this year, you know, minus SGA. Um, so, I mean, stay tuned on that one, but we, we got some good Dort guys. Or 
I mean, I'm talking about Baisley there, but okay. um, both of them are going to, I think, get better just as time goes. You know, whenever they have to be the, the man, um, those guys seem like they have that attitude, like they're ready for the challenge. And we'll just – we'll see. It was a preseason game. That's what we'll chalk it, it up to. It was a preseason <laughs> game. Right. Um, and, and for us, honestly, like – a lot of our season's going to kind of feel preseason-ish just because we're, we're working with guys and putting them in situations to develop them, not necessarily to be competitive. Mm-hmm. I think that Dagnalt's going to take advantage of every single opportunity to develop his guys, and he knows he's got a longer leash. So it's, if we win you know, 14, 18 games, it's not like he's on the hot seat, right? So, um, yeah. So I think that's great. That's great for all parties involved. You said that Baisley is going to be getting a ton of minutes. I'm going to shift gear to the guy who got the most minutes on the team, Teo Maladon, right? His second, his second performance for us. He lit the world on fire against San Antonio um, just uh, several days ago. And uh, him and Pokashevsky both balled out in game one. It looks like they, they took their lumps a little bit in game two. Jerry, do you want to go ahead and start us off talking about our rookies, uh, our main two rookies that we brought in? So, Maladon, he's literally about to be the GOAT. Um, He is so cerebral. He picks really good shots. I watched him tonight. There was, like, at least three shots that I can remember off the top of my head where he could have taken it, but it was a bad shot. And he made the right decision with the ball um, to get an even better shot. And whenever he knew he had the best shot, he was putting it up. You know, he was three for nine from the floor, but he was still, I think, two for five from three um, and was dishing the ball. Very good ball handler. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about him. Like, I'm super, super high on him already after I went down my – French basketball YouTube uh, Mm -hmm. rabbit hole a few weeks ago and we got to watch him in that last preseason game. Um, He just needs a little bit more size to him. You can sort of tell he gets bullied a little bit, but his quickness sort of like Dennis Schroeder allows him to, to be competitive on that end. Um, And he's kind of feisty also, even for being a young kid. So really, really love him. Poku, Poku, Poku tonight. Um, that's what he ended up doing. He, he pokered it up and he, he didn't score. He put up a lot of air balls tonight. I think he had the most on the team probably, um, or just totally missed it. But he also had that one dump down pass where it looked like he was about to shoot the jumper and, and tossed it down to, Oh, Moses I don't remember Brown. who it was. Um, Moses Brown. It was Moses. Yeah. Moses. Oh, Brown. Right. Yep. Yep. And um, that was really nice. Uh, he can crash boards. He had that block um, where he helped clean up a uh, offside, which was pretty good. Um, he's he's got a lot of good little tangible things. His footwork for being that tall is ridiculous. Um, like someone that tall and that skinny should not be able to move that good. Um, so really really high on him i'm just ready for both of them to gain some weight we'll see what that season brings they they both actually should have trained with james harden's trainers this summer is what they should have done <laughs> um 
I know <sighs> that they would have packed on some weight. I I don't think they could afford the the personal trainers that James Harden employs, but that's cool. <laughs> You're not wrong there. You're not wrong. <laughs> Alex, what do you got on the rookies tonight? So I'm I'm 100% happy that they had a game like this. You know, like Maladon, he had a I think Maladon had a a good game. Like I don't think like I think I think 20 points is the outlier. I think about 11 points is probably going to be if you know, if we're looking at Maladon having a good rookie season, you know, we're going to we'll look back and we'll be like, wow, 11 points, you know, maybe three assists, two rebounds, something like that. You know, something like a Reggie Jackson first year or an Eric Maynard type first year. Um, I, I think that would be great for him. Um, Pokacheski, I'm glad he had this game. I'm glad he had a game where he threw up some air balls. I'm glad he had a game where he got, you know, roughed up a little bit. Um, because this is when you're talking about speed of the game and strength of the game, this is, this is what he has to see. You know, he has to see these types of situations. And, yeah, you know, he had good plays. Um, but like you said, he also had bad plays. He had game, you know, he had plays where he airballed the ball, and he had plays where he looked like an 18-year-old out there in a man's game. Um, and so he's going to have those situations um, from time to time. And you know, he's going to take his lumps. He's going to take his lumps, and he's going to learn. And this entire year is going to be looking like a preseason game to him. But I'm glad he had this game. You know, I, I don't want the expectation of Thunder Nation to be, oh, this guy's going to co- go out and, you know, four for four from three-point land every game. No, he's going to have these one for eight games from time to time. And he still managed to get – the one thing that's kind of impressed me with, with Poku is – so he's had two games now, and he's averaged about eight rebounds, which one of the things that we kind of were a little bit worried about him was, you know, he's, he's going to get pushed off the boards. So he's grabbing boards. He's using his length. Um, and then he had a couple plays tonight where – I think it was two – he had two goaltends. Um, but they were like recovery goaltends. Like the, the guy got past him, he uses length to kind of go ahead and swat the, wall, yeah. swat the ball away. And, you know, those – once you kind of learn the speed of the game, those goaltends then become blocks. Or they become, you know, shot distractions that distract the, the offensive player from, from actually, you know, feeling comfortable up there. Um, so there's little bits and pieces that we can take from this game that show, you know, improvement show. And then there's a little, little bits and pieces that we can say, look, this is what you need to work on. You know, this is, you know, this is something that was not very good in this game. And the good thing about today is that guess who we play in two days, the same exact team. Doubles. Doubles, yeah, and like so, you can go ahead and say, "Hey, we're playing the same exact players." Go out there, and you know, see how you how you improve, see how you adapt to those players that were out there, and you know, that'll be a, that'll be a good kind of litmus test for uh, for Poku and for Maladon. But I'm glad they had this game. I'm glad they had a game where they didn't look like world beaters out there. And and so tonight he looked like Bambi, right? He looked like Bambi. We were talking about it the other night. Um, But, I mean, seven boards, two assists, two steals, and a block. Like, he still kind of filled the stat sheet a little bit, even though he got pushed around. The guy was two for 11 from the field, one for six from three. A couple of those misses were, like, real bad, like, real, real bad. 
so bad that like I was watching the game on mute while like I was also watching a show with my wife just trying to like get some quality time in like you know multitasking and I was just like because <laughs> it was just way way the frick off and she's like what what happened I was like uh I, I, a murder scene and it wasn't pretty like it was just <laughs> it was bad you want to um, see a dead body <laughs> it was well we were watching blacklist so there are several dead bodies that we were seeing um oh, okay. so and that's fine right one thing that we noticed was that poku early on was pretty timid kind of shy passing up opportunities to be aggressive and i think maybe that was part of the game plan so it looked like it was probably tailored more towards sga and horford and some of those type of guys in the first half and then it was like, all right, Poku, like you're unleashed. I choose you. <laughs> Be aggressive. <laughs> Do your thing. Um, and even so, like some of those plays, you saw him look over to the bench and, and Mark D was like, hey, like, what are you looking at me for? Like play out, you know, like basically he understands it's going to happen. Just keep playing, keep being aggressive. Yeah. Um, and, and so like he was, and he's going to go through these lumps, but it's like, I think as a young player, him understanding that he can make mistakes and he can not be hitting everything and still have the confidence and the support from the team is going to do wonders for his development. It's going to allow him to, to keep that quote unquote unwavering confidence moving forward. So I'm very, very excited to see how he bounces back in this, but I thought the rookies did okay. Teo missed some open shots and stuff that, you know, he was hitting. So we'll see how consistent his, his jumper is in spots, but, no wasted movement for him. He understands IQ very well for like angles and priority of progression in a play and where even weak side help is coming after a pick and roll and all those things. So very, very smart for a 19 year old basketball player with not a ton of NBA experience at this, at this time, obviously. Um, Okay. So we kind of touched on all that. Any fringe players that, you know, maybe are like, bubble guys or you know just youngsters that are unproven that really stood out to you alex go ahead and start i mean so my cut list still includes schofield and kenridge williams um they didn't really do anything to kind of stick out um you know justin jackson isaiah roby uh roby you know it's number one it's kind of hard to tell them apart when they're on the floor together um Team team light skin, but but uh, you know he's he's a player, man. He's I mean he's he's gonna go out there. He's gonna you know he's gonna give you you know he can shoot it from three a little bit. Um, he's a big forward. Um, so I mean he he basically did the same thing he did in the San Antonio game, which if he can do that consistently, you know he can be he can be a rotation you know number eight, number nine, number ten player for a team, uh, for our team. Um, Justin Jackson, this was, this was his first game back, and in the interview and in the media availability, I think he said, like, he had – this has been, like, his second practice, you know, and so this is another guy that possibly had COVID that's finally, you know, gone through the quarantine that he had to, and he finally, you know, made it to the team. Um, and so, you know, for him being two practices in, I thought he did all right. Um, but outside of that, uh, you know, I wasn't, you know, there wasn't anything to write home about, about anybody else. What do you think, Jerry? Sorry, I haven't, you know, 
taking myself myself off mute problems over here. Uh, typical America right now. Um, kind of agree with Alex there. Uh, I like Roby. Um, I actually think that Frank Jackson's probably another person that we might be able to turn into a guy. Um, he just plays really hard and plays kind of good. He has a nice shot. Um, but I think those that's probably part of your cut list right there. Uh, and I mean, yeah, there's really nothing that just sort of stood out to me at all with the rest of the guys. It was just looked like a bunch of young guys at the end of the game getting garbage time. I, I would like to highlight one guy. Uh, he's our, one of our two-way guys, Moses Brown. I, I was really impressed with, um, with his ag- aggressive nature on defense. He did end up um, getting a steal, was really close to getting a couple of blocks, impacted quite a bit in the paint. And he, he was always kind of like in the play. And there's something to be said about young players without a lot of experience still being in the play. It means like they're doing what it takes to still be put in a position to affect the game, right? Sometimes as a big guy, you could be out there playing for tons of minutes and never be around the play for some weird reason. You're just never there. I didn't feel that way about Moses Brown. Um, He made himself available. He scored 12 points in this game in only 10 minutes. Very, very good for a big man. Five of six from the field. Yeah, he was two of five from free throw, but like he's a big man, you know, 40 to 50%. Steven Adams wasn't necessarily the best free throw shooter ever either. So like it happens, something that can be developed. But I, I, thought, his, I thought his minutes were, were pretty quality. I, I want to see him get more playing time next game and kind of see – what he can do, maybe even make him part of that first sub rotation in and, and see if you can play him, you know, with a Shea or something for a couple of minutes just to see if a pick and roll action or something like that could happen. But very good minutes out of him. Um, he's somebody I'm going to kind of put a pin in and, and, and monitor. Um, and I, I got to agree with, with the Roby take. He started the game rough. He had like three turnovers pretty early on. And he just kept balling. He kept playing. He kept hustling. He kept trying to make plays. And ultimately, like his stat line, the negative 22 and the plus minus isn't great. But six rebounds, three assists, a steal at a block to go with his nine points. Like he still did things. Three of eight's not horrible from the field. One of one and from three and two of two from the free throw line are great for a guy that we're playing kind of in a stretch four roles. So, I mean, Roby like way to continue to battle through. I think the mental toughness making up for the three turnovers early in the game and sticking with it and turning out a fairly good performance overall is, is really impressive to me. And that's something that I think Dagnall could see and can work with. So maybe Roby's not on the cut list quite yet. Um, and then of course, uh, Frank, the tank man, like the guys, his shot is just so pure when he's open and he's in rhythm, I think it's going in every time. It just looks, it looks good and it's consistent. So um, if nothing else, he could be a floor spacing guy that can get spot minutes and, and that helps us moving forward. So um, that kind of covers all of the key points I wanted to highlight. Do you guys have anything else, any other takeaways from this game? 
I mean, just kind of piggybacking off of what you said about Moses Brown, I do think Moses Brown has a spot on his team as a traditional big because we literally do not have a traditional big. We went from having traditional bigs as the starting center and the backup center for like a decade now um, to now we have Al Horford and Mike Muscala basically as our bigs. Um, And so Moses Brown being a traditional big, you know, more of a, of a diver uh, type, you know, in the lane and, you know, as a, a poor man's Nerlens, right? A poor man's what? Nerlens Noel kind of. Yeah. I mean, basically. Yeah, basically. Um, and so you know, honestly, that's, that's, that's a good, you know, comp for him. Um, and so, you know, it's definitely somebody that given the opportunity, I think he could, you know, he has, he has, a, he has enough of a, of, a, of an area to kind of develop on this team. Like on a different team, he'd be, he'd be a regular two-way player. But on this team, I think you could definitely see minutes big time from the beginning of the season. Any other points you want to make, Jerry? I was say, I mean, we're going to stink, guys. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's – there were stretches of the games where I just shook my head for like four or five minutes at a time. Um, just because I mean that that's where most of it came from, and and the Bulls shot really really well tonight too. I mean for the Bulls they did, um, but they uh, yeah we're we're just not going to be we're not going to be good. We're going to be competitive, but I don't think we're we have the that veteran leadership just yet, or guys being in enough situations to no. get themselves you know to the to battle through some of these things so for what it's worth y'all like just enjoy the growth like you're going to be able to sit back one day and be like man i remember when poku weighed 195 pounds wet um or man i remember it took michael cage 6075 times to say maldion's last name correctly <laughs> um like you're going to be able to sit back and remember those things so poku too poku just, yeah, sometimes it's it's not all about, you know, the journey, guys. It's about the destination. And I said that backwards on purpose. Um, so, yeah, just dig in and enjoy it. Enjoy the progress. It's going to be fun. So, Sam Hinkie had the process. We have the progress. And that's, I mean, reposition, replenish, uh, shift the odds, developmental, like all of those buzzwords are actually true for first us. First class organization. First class organization, uh, a team full of real gym rats. Um, like it's, it's a thing where you're also going to be able to look back like we did saying, man, we started what, three and 29 our first year in Oklahoma City, right? Like it was rough, but it got us James Harden. And yeah. then we had our big three, right? And so like we were able to, to move forward and – that really kind of set the tone. And while we went three and 29 Westbrook, you know, found out that he had the support of our, of our city that we were completely and totally, um, you know, we wanted to see him play. And then Scotty Brooks comes in and gives him the opportunity. And we were able to show, Hey man, like this is your city too. Like as much as it is Durant's like we're behind you too. Durant was able to become a superstar through those lumps the whole 
losing is is like bad for culture when you have a bunch of young guys like that's baloney because we did a ton of losing early on and then i mean out of those ashes arose multiple mvps and trips to the western conference finals one trip to the nba finals and a decade of sustained success we will get back there but we got to go through our three and 29 type slump and it's going to happen this season and it might happen next year too so um be patient but i will say that this game was fun to watch even though nothing was on the line because we got to see the development we got to see some of these guys grow and just got to watch mm-hmm. basketball and we get to get back to maybe some of the joy and the love of the game again in a sense to where if we don't win like whatever like we're not worried about our stars leaving <laughs> at this point yeah you know we've already ripped that band-aid off multiple times within the last 5 seasons at this point, we're seeing growth and we're seeing a new era. And so it's cool that we're not winning games. As a matter of fact, we'd prefer not to at this point. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Stick with us as the season progresses. Don't necessarily look at the win-loss column. Just, just watch the development of the guys. Watch the chemistry and um, follow us because we're going to have action. We're, we're going to be covering the action all season long here on the OKC at OKC topic thunder podcast. So um, parting thoughts, gents. Yeah. So I just got one thing to say. There's going to be a lot of positivity porcupine on the TL this year. (laughs) Um, So just be ready for your boy. Um, Give him a like, give him a retweet. He's, he's there to to be in your hearts and to stay positive in the most negative of times. What you got, Alex parting thought. Before we wrap this thing, uh, man, up. I, I, I mean, I couldn't have said it better than you did. You know, Maddie, we're we're gonna take our our lumps, we're gonna take our bruises, um, but definitely think that this team is it's gonna be fun. Like you said, it's gonna be fun. It's you know, harkens back to the Thunder U days, um, and this is gonna be a brand new team. This is not you know, I, I love I love bringing up things from the past, but. I also want Bays and Shea and Dort and Poku and Teo and all these guys to develop their own niche, to develop their own thing. Um, and so it's, it's going to be fun to see that. It's, it's going to be fun to enjoy basketball without the just pressure of having to win every night, every day. Um, you know, we went through that for an entire decade. And while it's fun, it is, it is fun to win. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's also soul crushing to lose without winning a championship. And so we've yeah. experienced that also. Um, and so, you know, it's going to be fun to see this team develop and we're going to have nights like we had tonight and we're going to lose to bad teams. We're going to lose to good teams. You know, we're going to win a couple games here and there that we shouldn't win. Um, and we're going to go ahead and celebrate those wins a lot more extensively than we have any other win in the past couple of years. Um, so let's enjoy this season. Let's buckle up for the ride because uh, it's going to be bumpy, um, but it's going to be a ride nonetheless. And so, you know, those are my parting thoughts. On behalf of all of us here uh, at Alex Roig underscore NTTB uh, at Gerald Amir. Uh, with, that's Gerald with a J and at Maddie Moles pod, that being me um, here at the at 
OKC Topic Thunder podcast. We very much appreciate the listen, but we love, we love fan interaction and engagement. So hit us all up on the Twitter box because that's where we are at mostly. And yeah, we, we certainly enjoyed getting to watch Thunder basketball tonight. It's going to be rocky, but we will forever enjoy hooping, uh, enjoy company, and we will always enjoy the opportunity to thunder up. Thunder up. Thunder up. Damn you, button. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.